Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, Me Seeks and Destroy. Here's Aaron with the recap. Frustrated with his family's over-reliance on his techno-wizardry, Rick introduces the Smiths to a Meeseeks box. This device summons a blue humanoid creature who will fulfill a simple request before disappearing in a puff of blue smoke. Meeseeks are able to help Summer become more popular, Beth be a more complete woman, but things turn murderous when Jerry asks Meeseeks for help with his golf game. Elsewhere, Morty is sick and tired of being railroaded on Rick's crazy adventures through interdimensional space and strikes a deal to lead his own. Morty leaps at the chance to free an impoverished village from the tyranny of an evil giant that lives in the clouds, but his quest takes a dark turn as he finds himself at the mercy of the giant justice system and the village's sick and twisted king. Okay, Me Six and Destroy. Jim, what'd you think? Uh, this is a classic one, and I think for good reason. Everybody remembers the Mr. Me Six episode. It, it's hilarious and it has a lot as as all rick and morty does it has a lot of sadness in it Mm -hmm. like i just can't help but when i watch rick and morty see the sadness in these characters the patheticness and this you know after last episode is certainly not the lowest point for jerry but it's pretty damn low uh and I, i found myself at the end of this feeling a little bad for beth overall because yeah. she seems like maybe the most well-adjusted person in this entire cast of characters mm-hmm. and she sort of seems trapped by it all yeah it she is a tragic character and it's funny because like the episode is going towards this you know standard sitcom you know, it's just like uh, everybody loves Raymond, right? Like his wife, everybody loves Raman. Everybody, his wife, you can tell they love each other. They got kids. But like the ongoing plot for years and years and years is the fact that he's an idiot and she's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, he always wants sex and she doesn't. And, you know, every, but every once in a while he'll do something. And, you know, uh, and you, you remember why they love each other. And then they subvert it at the very end, which this show brilliantly does love to follow that formula and then subvert it with you know uh which we'll talk about but i thought that this i remember when i saw this the first time i was making way through the series um that this uh episode just really blew me away with not only how clever it is but just how funny and how well they're able to juxtapose like this Mesix character which which has this very peculiar way of speaking Mm -hmm. provided by justin roiland and kind of like uh almost like a childlike quality to him. Like he's almost like a, a children's toy commercial mascot. Well, I mean, like he's selling sugary cereal, you know, they're beings that exist for, you know, all of an hour. Yeah. If that, yeah, uh, they've got to have a little naivete to them. Right? right. Yeah. If they, if they thought about their condition, it would be, and, and they, they, they follow that through yes. that they're assigned to this fucking idiot that's names Jerry Smith and they can't shave off any strokes of his game, no matter what they do, because he is incapable of taking any kind of constructive suggestion and has got a massive inferiority complex. And that speech where they're all, you know, like your failures are your own old man. I'm Mr. But they still keep the the core Mr. Misick speech patterns. I don't know why, but it's so goddamn funny 
And then, you know, when at the end, when you've got a whole bunch of like normal Earth civilians that are dealing with this insane situation and they give agency to those like that one lady who's like, uh, what the fuck is going on? It's 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 great. I think that's my favorite moment in the episode. Yeah. Uh, And they follow it up with what is also a great moment. The Stickler Meeseeks. Who's like, what about your short game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the whole is, you know. That's my best Mr. Musics, by the way, which is awful, I realize. We, uh, uh, this has become like a catchphrase at our house. Uh, It's something we use a lot with uh, our our 12-year-old son. Like, you know, when he's trying to do something and maybe he's uh, he's on a struggle bus a little bit that day. And we'll, you know, it's like, you know, see, did he get the dishes all the way clean? Ooh, he's trying. (laughs) And it's just it's it's just really funny. Like the second the first me six in frustration summons the second me six, and they have the dialogue about like, well, are you just doing the yeah. It's it's great, and it's also one of those things that like plays effortlessly because when you know Jerry's the one that's like, oh, I don't know if we sh- we should really you know remember keep the request simple, and the the women are like, you know, help me become popular, and like, oh Jesus, and then Beth's like, help me become a complete woman and you're like oh this is gonna go poorly yeah but those things have like really pretty like it just involves me six uh you know campaigning for summer or giving beth a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy but fucking jerry i I feel like it's because fundamentally they have more going for them than jerry does yeah as far as like their their mental makeup their uh approach to life they can take the constructive criticism, like you said, and and make that work for them. I wonder if the, the difference is like at the core, like Summer and and Beth have a kind of like a bedrock kind of confidence in themselves that like if they were on their yeah. own, they could probably be happier. They could see, whereas more whereas Jerry doesn't have that. Like mm-hmm. were it not for Beth. You know, Beth is kind of like his human credential. Like, I can't be a complete fucking loser because look at this impressive woman that I've that I've ensnared. Right. If he loses that, you know, uh, and and uh, I stroke my beard and wonder. I wonder if they'll explore those concepts of in- inadequacy in further episodes of Rick and Morty. But <laughs> yeah, it's just you, you come away realizing that like Jerry's the worst, and even though they build mm-hmm. this kind of like nice temporary ending for them you can also see how like the foundations of this like little moment of triumph this little success they built on are are already eroded because jerry can't even can't even handle a win no i feel like summer's the only one who comes out of this with any uh benefit from what the mesics do like because i look at beth's storyline in this episode and it kind of comes full circle from you know she has a desire to be this complete more complete woman she sort of halfway attains that when she, you know, leans in to kiss the Me Six after this revelation. But by the end, she's shown to be supporting Jerry through his hard times and then having the realization that she's sort of still in this relationship that she doesn't want, you know, yeah. that, that she's trapped in this place. So, like, if in my mind, if this story were to have a happy ending for Beth, it would be okay, I helped you through this moment. Now we need to talk. Yeah. And Jerry realizes that he can self-actualize. Yeah. Like, you know, the only reason, like, Beth didn't do anything that the other Mesix did except for, you know, Jerry's actually somewhat afraid of Beth and takes her seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they do the whole, uh, you know, I love you whisper as if that was like the magic trick, but... <laughs> And, and it probably, you know, it, it probably allowed him to kind of like in a happy Gilmore way, 
go to his happy place. Yeah. But yeah, one of the adult skills you learn is how to like do that yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I don't think I don't know, there's probably people that are super good at it. And they're the ones that are like, you know, captains of industry and state. And um, but but I- anyone that's an adult that's getting, you know, your kids to school and getting your bills paid. Know that at the at the end of the day that, you know, the, the people, the thing that make you do, the, the thing that gets you out of bed and makes you do things is is you. Sure. And, you know, a lot of like, you know, therapy and, and even medication is just providing you a safe environment that you can kind of come to that realization and 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 keep your brain chemistry at bay enough for it not to sabotage the idea that like okay this is up to me and i have to i'm the one who has to take care of myself i'm the one who has to improve myself because no one else is going to do it and um, no and one Jerry, else should have to do it right yeah and how like that's the other thing is just how you know like i i feel like that at the end of the episode is beth realizing that like i could probably with a constant with with a, a superhuman amount of work, whip Jerry into something uh, of a shape that I would be happy with long term. But I'd always have to be continually vigilant about him backsliding. And then, like, is it is it worth it? You know? Sure. Uh, do you want to let's, let's get into the actual meat of the the discussion? Is it Morty's day out? Uh, yeah. Let's start with the Morty's adventure in Giant Land. Okay. The really interesting thing about this plot is. There, it, it, you're constantly wondering in the early goings of Rick and Morty and throughout Rick and Morty, like, you know, what, how, what does Rick really think about his family? <laughs> um, what is his, you know, is he attached to them? Does he feel love? Does he feel affection? And there's a couple of instances where the Ouija board of his personality kind of signs point to yes, mm-hmm. or the magic eight ball of his personality, and that the fact that he's got some flex to allow Morty to select an adventure. Um, now, really? Because that's not the part that got me. The part that got me was when he sticks his arm back through the portal and kills sure. Jerry. Well, even before then, but you're right, because like he does relent but it's also an opportunity to just rub morty into his own failure his yeah. face and its own failure so i guess but <laughs> but i think even before he vaporizes the 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 child predator there's a scene where you know first of all R- morty gives him a dressing down it's like you know what rick you're always dragging me through all this shit and i roll with the punches and i don't make you feel bad and you know you're just shitting on everything that we're doing here and i'm going to go to bathrooms and when when Morty comes out after having nearly been violently raped, mm-hmm. uh, not only does Rick immediately pick up that something's wrong, which shows that he's got some kind of emotional perception, yeah, um, but also he's he's kind of stewed over it and has decided to make a go of it. He's you know he's he he's no longer at the corner booth sulking. He's having he's gambling. He's having a good time. And then when he sees how you know he's kind of putting two to two together with Morty and him being traumatized, he instantly turns around like you know what Morty, this has been a fun adventure. And look, I got this pile of money, and that can help the villager. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Now is it the kind of love you feel towards like a prized possession, uh, you know, or is it the type <laughs> of love you feel towards a actual human being? I don't know, because yeah, up until that up until that point, he is trying his damnedest to ruin this adventure. He's doing everything he can to be a spoil sport. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when it turns the corner, it, it it seems to be that, you know, Morty's dissatisfaction with the way he's behaving is what changes his mind. Mm-hmm. And that does show a little bit of d- d- care because there are so many things that Rick Sanchez does not care about. Yeah. A- and, and many of them are very big, important things that most people on a day-to-day basis give a shit about. Mm-hmm. 
so the fact that he does care about Morty's feelings in this episode shows, I think, a more uh, a deeper side of Rick. And, and I'm actually interested in that side of him. You know, as much as I love seeing nihilistic Rick they're talking about bureaucrats as robots, so let's murder them, that kind of thing. I, I kind of want to see more. Yeah. I, I want to see some growth from that character. Yeah, because if it was just it was if it was just that, I don't think Rick and Morty be as a pop as popular as a show as it is. If he was just yeah. like a purely like King Joffrey type that had no redeeming qualities, but you get these glimmers and and like like you were saying, uh, it's not that he felt sympathy. The fact that Morty almost got raped because he was he was actually trying to give a shit before that information came into uh his awareness um, right it's about morty's feelings in the situation while we're on the subject you know, we talked about a couple things where we express amazement and sometimes admiration that shows able to get away with some of the stuff it gets away with mm-hmm. um this is a pretty and i the, the, you know morty almost gets raped in this episode and and it's only because mm-hmm. he fights the guy off and takes some lumps along the way that he doesn't and that's like very violent um and I think I might have answered my own question. Like, it, it's remarkable in like because we cover a lot of pop culture. And anytime a rape is depicted, it's always like you know there's there's a discussion that's had in in the public eye about whether it was justified, whether it was warranted, whether it was. And I haven't seen a lot for these particular episodes. Yeah, but it does seem like because it's like again they don't ever play this for laughs. Like this wasn't the no. ha ha part of the episode. This was like the character development. Does Rick actually give a shit? And you know, using this uh, as a as a way to kind of um, it, it it does two things. It makes Morty realize that uh, you know when he flies solo from Grandpa, bad things can happen because the universe mm-hmm. is random and cruel and arbitrary, and maybe not as sunny sided as as you want it to be. But also gives Rick a chance to show, um, you know, some care and love towards Morty, but also some genuine like anger and vindictiveness and desire for revenge. That also, yeah. I think, comes from a place of love and and like mm-hmm. a bedrock sense of morals. Like, you know, Rick's not down to sexually fraternize with some dream version of his granddaughter. He's not. He's he's he does care about what his grandson thinks about him and his adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. He does. Uh, want to brutalize child predators like there is some kind of vest- moral code there is some kind <laughs> it of is interesting where he draws lines though yeah you know the line is not at murder certainly no uh, if you are the right kind of person he will easily murder you without batting an eye right uh th- there are lines though and i think yeah it's that's that's what makes the character where he draws those lines and that's the thing it's like you, you, what you said there i think is interesting because it's not like there's a type of person he'll murder it's almost like being viewed by Rick as a person with agency is yeah, the barrier yeah. that you need to hurdle before you start. <laughs> the, he'll start taking you seriously because, like, the galaxy is kind of divided into people that. But but it, in any given day, it could be yeah. like, uh, oh, you're really into school. Okay, I'm going to vaporize you because you're not a human being. I respect right. right. Like you're you're part of a you're yeah, a cog you're a in cog, the wheel, exactly. uh, a cog in the system. Like where he draws the lines to me is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and how he grows and changes uh, is is uh, I, I I'm I'm always interested. You know, it's it's too early to talk about it now, and we got plenty of time to get there. But like when you step outside of the series, there's so many different arcs. Uh, you know, like you know Beth and Jerry's relationship, uh, Summer, like you know growing into a, a a woman of her own, Morty doing the same thing. Uh, but like not only Rick's relationship to his family, but like Rick 
chasing kind of like happiness and well-being and satisfaction um it's uh it's something they're playing with like on fx's legion too mm-hmm. um can bad you know can can bad people have been dealt in bad cards in their life and maybe they contribute to a lot of their fails can they actually find happiness and contentment uh i think that's like maybe the most fantasy the the most interesting or fascinating character arc yeah uh that it's got going on now um then the other thing is like the the the, the kind of put a bow on this the stinger they do uh you know a dark night routine uh-huh. where the the idea that king jelly being represented is worth more than the actual rapist pedophile michael jackson type type exactly that's exactly what went through my head when i was thinking this like they had this big you know ex- expose documentary on hbo recently about mike Tyson or plus with michael the Jer- jackson the jerry epstein stuff that's in the news yeah, now like yeah um that's the other thing is like i wonder um, I bet if this episode is aired now or like a year from now, it might experience criticism just because the culture has changed. Like, I think we're waking up to the idea that, you know, us plebes are down here thinking that everyone agrees that like taking advantage of children sex sexually is abhorrent. And we're kind of waking <laughs> up to the idea that like with enough 2019, and, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we're finally realizing it. No, I mean like everyone thought that that was the rules, but we're waking up to the idea that like with enough wealth and power that actually some of the highest echelons of society are cool with this and yeah, yeah. are covering for each other. And you know, it's like it's like anytime you have edgy humor, and certainly Rick and Morty falls under edgy humor. It only works when everyone's in on the same joke, and like when mm-hmm. society is like, you know, it's like, oh, it's kind of fun to make racist jokes because everyone understands that we're not actually racist, and we don't. And then when you look around, sure. like, oh shit, there's a whole lot of racists around me, and people saying a bunch of racist shit. Maybe I shouldn't normalize this behavior. I wonder, you know, like like I said, I, I wonder if it came out like a year from now. When more stuff comes out and, uh, you know, God, like, knock on some wood hoping that, like, we get to the bottom of all this shit, uh, if it will see, like, some some of these types of jokes is – and it's not even a joke. It's more of, like, this – this con- this this these these concepts and this material if it would be seen as, like, uh, inappropriate or passe. Yeah, I, I mean, probably. I, I look at, like, bro culture, mm-hmm. uh, which – Started very ironically, sure, and, and you know, just dudes being all broy and saying bra, yeah. shit like that. When you say bra eight times a day, yeah, it just becomes who you are. Yeah, you're not. You, it's no longer deeply ironic. No, bra. it's just who you are. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, if you're making a bunch of rape jokes and a bunch of uh, pedophilia jokes and yeah. shit all the time. That sort of becomes your personality after a while, and right. people judge you based on it. Yeah, and even like and they said, probably that, should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, it's like that's 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 it's like you know, people a lot of times say you know Mel Brooks couldn't make Blazing Saddles today, mm-hmm. and it's not because Blazing Saddles is a terrible movie. It's just like the world's moved on. Like it's it's the jokes it makes are obvious and kind of crude because we've made progress as a society. So I'm not I I don't want anything to be misconstrued as an attack on uh, anybody involved with Rick and Morty. It's no, more no, of just I think like. They're... Comedy ages in dog years because the sure. stuff that's subversive becomes in thirty years regressive because we've moved the, the you know we we've we've gone further in the race towards like equality and and having everybody be respected so the stuff that was skewering now feels like it's punching down and it's just like yeah with all this this stuff with uh, child predation at the highest levels of society yeah. coming out it's like 
That, that's what I, I, I literally read an article about, you know, Je- uh, Epstein getting attacked in his jail cell by mm-hmm. some fucking ex-cop or something. Like, sounds like something out of the wire. And then I go and I start <laughs> Rick and Morty. I'm like, oh, shit. So I, I think Rick and Morty has a way of being pretty smart about its jokes, though, um, and, and not always couching them as jokes. Even. That's exactly Just right. Just raising the subject and, and you know, having having... Sometimes nothing to say, just sort of raising the subject mm-hmm. for the sake of it. But yeah. also, when they do say something, I feel like they're intelligent about what they're saying. Yeah. And so, it'll probably age better than someone who is less thoughtful about it. Yeah. Some, some show that just comes along and makes, you know, a casual pedophile joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this wasn't like, look at Morty getting victimized, waka waka. It's right. like, wow, that actually, you, it does feel like an assault and a violation of Morty is shaken yes. by it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we got to talk about this giant dimension. Because okay, yes. I, I, like, I, I I, was thinking about it, and I was trying to figure out if this is, in fact, a dimension that we are being uh, shown here. Because it's called Fantasy World, um, at least as far as I could research on the wiki. But I'm I'm struggling to understand why they're calling it Fantasy World. Because if, I, if memory serves, Rick and Morty travel there through a portal. I know for a fact they come back through a portal because mm-hmm. it's... That's Rick's thing. I can just open a portal and we can go back, Morty. Let's do it. And then they do at the end. Is this a dimension or is this just a planet within C-137 or whatever their their base dimension is? Yeah, that's a great question because, number one, like as much as I appreciate all the the, the fans putting in the work on their Wikipedia, um, yeah. I noticed that throughout this article, there's not a single one of those teeny tiny like su- super scripted letters that are hyperlinked to sources. It's just a bunch of naked mm, assertions yeah. about the being worlds versus dimensions. And, you know, it, it makes sense. I think it makes sense that Rick would stay in his own dimension as much as possible, um, because why 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 borrow the trouble of going and facing some interdimensional wrath um sure and like obviously it seems like when he like you know you see him take off in a ship and go somewhere or like land back on a ship it's like that implies that this is taking place in our universe Mm -hmm. but but we know he can use the portal to move through time yeah uh and space as a matter of fact yeah so there's no guarantee that this is a different dimension it could just be a different planet uh called fantasy world where giant world is in the sky I'm probably not going to chalk it up to a dimension. No, I wonder, and I, I bet that the the writers and producers see this as a plus because they can, you know, uh, they can play fast, not fast and loose, but it gives, it actually gives them the freedom to yeah. have as much continuity as they want because they can always say, oh, well, that took place in a different dimension. So with, <laughs> right. if something doesn't make sense, it's because it was hopped a dimension here or there, and it makes it makes perfect sense. So it's like. Every and you know that's that's kind of like interdimensional theory or the multiverse theory. It's like you you do have some like really kind of like mind blowing like what is even real and and what is me and what is you know I'd love to have some kind of astrophysicist on to talk about that. That <laughs> like you know what like like real proponents of the multiverse like what how do you actually perceive this or is there any way to perceive this or yeah. is this a valid way to interpret it because. Yeah, if there's an like a near infinite versions of me, what does it mean to be existing in the slice that I perceive at the time? If you can't travel between them, probably a lot more. Yeah, right. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. So yeah, uh, giant world, fantasy world. Uh, I, it's interesting because there was a little commentary about 
you, you notice that like the 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 villagers were oppressed and poor, mm-hmm. and then you, when you went to the cloud dimension, you know obviously the justice system is not stacked in the small people's favor. They're making no. a little bit of like uh uh like a like this the the little people are like a gym kind of like have this Jim Crow existence where they live mm-hmm. like in a, a separate but equal phase of the planet, but up there it's very 20th century law and order. Down there it's very. 12th century dark ages bullshit yeah uh i thought that was kind of even down to they have like the civil rights uh little person's lawyer that uh, uh you know is there to, tech, to catch them on their giant miranda technicality um and then like there's also the, like a joke within a joke about the lawyer trying to you are fee mm-hmm. five to foe home and like the giant's <laughs> like oh and they're like Kind of like, oh, did he just say something like insensitive to giant culture? And is he? I, I just, yeah. Dan actually has a really great riff on that in the commentary. I won't spoil it. I'll just tease it. It's, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and pre pre plot to the future spoiler uh-huh. for what Dan Harmon looks like. It's Dale. It's the giant. Yeah, that's no. what Dan Harmon looks like. That's that's uh, that's I. I thought that was pretty funny, and it's also a, hit, a good sport to have, uh, you know, your sure. like a caricature of you blowing up the giant size, and then you slip and fall and smash your head, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, I've, I, uh, I'm a subscriber to Harmontown, so I've seen the man dance in his underpants. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he, uh, uh, he's inspiring as a fellow. Uh, you know, chubby guy, chubby hairy guy from the Midwest that periodically goes through some like, oh God, I got to do something about this. I need to start working out. Like I, I, I admire the way he seems to like cloak his shame with like a grandiose, like, like just look at it, look at it. Like it's, you guys need to get to get together and compare beards. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe like, uh, the body hair. Like okay, who's, who's yeah. got the more interesting worlds and moles? He's like, he talks a lot about his moles. Really? Like I, okay. I can go, I can go and mold a mole. Yeah, with the best of them. <laughs> I can go mold. Them. I got, I got. My grandmother's <laughs> Polish. I, 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 I second mold and no, no man. <laughs> we do get some uh, good character development from Beth. We found out like exactly like she got pregnant at seventeen, mm, and yeah. you know she put herself by while raising Beth through veterinarian school. Um, you know, and and she seems like what she got from Mister Meesix was, uh, it's good advice. You know, having a family doesn't mean you stop being individual. You you uh-huh. do have individual needs, and successful families uh, that grow and change together are able to have open and honest communication and give people space to be their own individuals and you know take turns like helping each other out. Um, and but you know, Meesix also ominously says it's it's about honesty, even if it means setting them free. Yeah. And I thought it's interesting that Beth's reaction is like to go in for a kiss to Meesix, and he just puffs into smoke. Right, and it's like uh like a like a her hitting rock bottom because the waiter comes in, he's like, "Would you like some more wine?" She's like, "I think I've had enough." Like, mm-hmm. kind of sobered her up the way like she's so starved for like adult conversation to be understood at this level that she instantly transfers this like inappropriate sexual feelings onto this this fucking ridiculous sock puppet. One thing I was thinking about is the idea of how many people have gotten a divorce as a direct result of watching, (laughs) not just in this particular episode, but like Rick and Morty in general. Uh Because like I've definitely had the experience of like watching something that makes me question my relationship or like so particularly skewers something that's going on in my dynamic and relationship that I'm yeah, like, off. Oh, yeah. is it really this fucked? And I, I come to the conclusion that like the answer is not zero. 
Like mm-hmm. how many people and, and also how many people have been sweating on the couch with their partner like, oh, please don't realize you're <laughs> Beth and I'm Jerry. Please don't realize. I'm... Yeah. Or they've seen this episode and they go, maybe we'll just watch the next one when they're looking at the Blu-rays. <laughs> or like, I guess like Jerry wouldn't get it, right? Jerry, like yeah, if, if you're so oblivious I, I as Jerry, know. he would be watching this episode be like, look at that fucking Jerry guy. What a what an idiot, right, Beth? Yeah. You think so? Because I've seen Jerry slump in a chair with very... Uh, knowing realizations like coming to the point where he understands what his relationship with beth is well coming off the last episode with the oh, simulation God. like yeah if you don't have if that's not a it, 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 he does have like a realization about like he how does. pathetic i must be it, but he that... seems powerless to change it that's the problem with jerry right like and i see a lot of myself in jerry sometimes sure. uh, the worst parts of me are parts of jerry as well sure and i think that's true for a lot of people but yeah i I think Jerry is a little more self-aware than we're giving him credit for. He just can't do much to change it. He doesn't know how to change it. And it's like, it's so frustrating because like the, you know, the Misek's trying to say, you got to square your shoulders. And then he fails because you got to keep your head down. It's like, well, which is it? And like Misek's like, it's come on, Jerry. It's both like, right. We've all know like he, he lashes out. Yeah. If you've ever tried, like tried to train someone new at a job or you've ever tried to help someone out with a hobby or homework assignment or whatever it is, like there are these people that, don't understand the concept of like yeah it's not just one thing and you got to do kind of like both things to to succeed and just his frustration and 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 his inability to do it no matter how hard he tries it's 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 i don't know it's puzzling it's puzzling like what is his damage is he just like super dumb is he lacks extremely insecure it's the insecurity because he he, it's almost like he takes mr meesick's instruction it's so weird because he can sim- simultaneously admit that my golf game can be improved. Yeah, yeah. But also suggestions to improve the game uh, are met with this, like, open hostility. They offend him, yeah. Yeah. And very early Attacks on in the process, like that first time where Misix is like, uh, it's like he, they certainly are in, two days into the project, and Jerry's right. already blowing him in a crazy amount of shit for it. Yeah. It's like, you, you summon this creature here to do this thing, and now you're bitching <laughs> that they're doing it? Yeah, fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we already talked about just the, the idea that you've got these silly breakfast cereal cartoons having this intense, like civil war <laughs> over the, how you take the strikes. And then the, the brilliant idea that, uh, you, you understand that the actual solution is to take all the strokes off his game. We have to kill Jerry. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, and then, so like the, the, I think we haven't actually talked about this, but, you know, Beth tries that she gets this kind of like surface level realization about Jerry is like, you know, these the Mr. Meeseeks are like all the guys in high school that were willing to say anything to complete their task. Mm-hmm. The difference is that you didn't go anywhere afterwards. And that's like the that's the that's the everybody loves Raymond sure. level. Yeah. But then Jerry's like, yeah, but I got you pregnant. And Beth's like, yeah. And then it's like, that's where the floor drops out again. Right. That's where I feel it finally comes full circle, and Beth yeah. is only slightly, if at all, changed. Yeah. So, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see like where this relationship ultimately goes. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a this is you know I've seen these a lot, but there's I I don't know exact the twists and turns uh, that that things take. But one of the questions I had at this stage are. Did Jerry deliberately, as a tactic, try to get Beth pregnant? Because I know that both men and women have done things mm-hmm. to sabotage, like birth control, and like, and, and Jerry seems like he's the kind of pathetic person that might. But on the other hand, like as a seventeen-year-old, are you really that fucking maniacal and Machiavellian, right. or are uh, you just 
stupid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? Like seventeen-year-olds fuck up and get pregnant with the best of intentions. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's a good question, though. Like, how did? Yeah, like how did they meet? How? I mean, I understand exactly why uh, Jerry would want to uh, lock down Beth, but like, why? What? What was the stakes where Beth like looked at Jerry and's like, yeah, I'll I'll try that. And that's the other question. It's like um, same thing when you, when you watch Breaking Bad, like. Obviously, was Walter White this this totally broken down, dispirited character? I mean, you see a flashback with him and Skyler where it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't seem like that. Like he used to be dynamic and flirty and and yeah. passionate and motivated. So like maybe before you know, Jerry, the kids, before yeah, the kids. before kids, and you know when you had I know a kid, I know one of my best friends uh, uh, had a ba- a kid when he was seventeen, and uh, it it does impact your life. And uh, how could it, it not? It all it alters it uh, in in both good ways and bad. Hmm. Human music, I like it. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, Jim, are you ready to plot to the future? I am. We're going to open up the portal to Dimension BM-77 and access behind-the-scenes details, look at trivia and spoilers for future episodes. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about the writer's room. Okay. And I'm going to hypothesize. I'm going to speculate. I'm going to assume. I'm going to do all the things you don't want to do about other people. Sure. Uh, They're public Morty, figures. It's Morty's okay. day out, <laughs> him getting to control this adventure, has got to be some reflection of Justin Roiland's role in 
this whole production, right? Like, yeah, no, they they're pretty open about like how sometimes their individual frustrations lead to these brilliances. Yeah, like, like Mr. Meeseeks was born the way they tell it is literally Justin rolling on the floor complaining about <laughs> why can't we just do stupid shit like I missed you know and I, I very much get the feeling that that is Justin's wheelhouse. Justin loves to just do crazy shit. Yeah, and I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you also have to temper that with some sort of you know logic and and storytelling uh strategy stuff like that or else it just goes too off the rails and i think you know this idea of morty's adventure being either too dull for this person or just not structured enough not interesting enough uh has to be a reflection of that relationship yeah and they all seem like they're kind of self-aware about it like you know justin realizes like sometimes i go a little too far with the belching and even i like and i get my way don't like it and dan i he was talking about because they're currently writing season two at the time he's like i don't know about season two because maybe i maybe i put too much of a leash on justin and Uh then there's like uh apparently everything that happens at the thirsty step was a result of like ryan ridley and justin roiland being pissed at each other and like Ryan kept making these angry fit, fake pitches. Well, why don't you just do, yeah, you know, the slippery slide thing he can guy? Think of. And Justin's like, "Fuck yeah, that sounds like yeah. an amazing idea." And the booby buyer, like, yeah, the booby buyer, and it's twenty five schmeckles, and just have like it's and it results his insanity, but it 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 really works. It really works. And, and honestly, it's a flavor of Rick and Morty that I enjoy. Like, yeah. almost has to be there to make it Rick and Morty. Yeah. And if you take too much Justin out. It yeah. doesn't work. No, no. And if, if like, if, if, uh, it probably, you know, like, like Dan was lamenting running roughshod over Justin, it gets, a, it drains the color out of it yeah. and, and, and the energy. Uh, and you need both of those for, like, the stuff that Rick and Morty does so well to land. I, I wanted to kind of extrapolate on, you know, that, the writer's room idea a little bit more because on some level, it seems like, and Rick wouldn't admit this. Uh, but it seems like he wants Morty to have some control over these adventures because he makes this deal in this episode where, okay, every 10th adventure, if this is a good one, you can have control of the adventure, right? Mm-hmm. But we know from uh, future episodes, the Morty's mind blowers, that he could simply erase the memory uh, of this whole deal in the first place from Morty's mind and take over all the adventures again. So some part of him wants Morty to have control. Yeah, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, this is all pop culture, you know, psychology, but like Don Draper's character, this like this really buttoned down, ultra in command, masculine dude that when mm-hmm. he is paying for sex, likes for the hookers to slap him around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like, I wonder if Rick has a little bit of like, every 10th adventure, I want someone else to be control, and I just want to like ride shotgun and shit on it or... I wonder if it's like just getting out of your own modes of operation, you yeah. know, like having a different flavor, yeah, for for something in your life. Because but, you, but Rick Rick is Rick, and he's going to have a Rick adventure every time, right? If he's left in charge, so. yeah. So like you know, like and as you said, the he the Morty's mind blowers makes it very clear that he has complete control over other people's perceptions of him. Yes. So if he didn't want it to be like this, it wouldn't be like this, <laughs> right? Um, there's also, and I wonder if that's, you know, a reflection of like Dan's relationship with Justin. Sure, yeah. Where it's like, look, I know that a little bit of Justin is good for us. Yeah. We well, need I mean, that. I mean, that's like any successful partnership. I mean, I'm not going to exclude us as like, there's a little bit of like, I'm glad it's not just me with the steering wheel because it wouldn't be as great as 
uh, you know, the result of us kind of occasionally struggling for which which direction we should be going into. Or me, sir. We need to come together with a big group hug. Yeah, yeah, a t- two person group hug. Um, do you? I, I uh, the, also the like future continuity. Speaking of that, that this concept of every tenth adventure pays off in the third season when they have the Vindicators three, the Return of the World Ender. Like Morty, it's it's codified that he's actually got like a <laughs> right. like a, a a card that state you know like going to a Chinese buffet and your tenth one's free. Uh-huh. Like Rick's just punching him out, and like Morty's like, ah, I got my tenth adventure, Rick. Don't forget about it. I thought that was. Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, this two and a half seasons later, you almost forget about it, and then bam, there it is. Well, I was going to say, that's about as long as these seasons have been. So you kind of get the feeling that it's like, okay, Justin, this is your time to shine. <laughs> you know, and the, the the last episode of this season actually feels a little bit like that, too. Yeah. Where it's just a big party with Rick, right? Yeah. We're yeah. just going to go crazy with this thing. Yeah, just like super crazy visuals, way out there concepts, crazy mm-hmm. alien names. Um there's also a lot of uh, like real, real, real world references. Um, there, like the 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 data chip that Morty's got in the beginning is obviously a Nest cartridge. Oh right. Uh, yeah. That Rick and the collects their the demon, demonic souls of the fake family in a Ghostbuster trap. Uh, I yeah, noticed that, co- that covered like everything they, i wrote it down clones from an alternate reality possessed by demonic alien spirits from their dimensions future yeah <laughs> that's like every sci-fi like, concept yeah like if you had a sentence. star trek next generation bingo card you would just yep. have gotten bingo on three different <laughs> everybody axes. in the room would have yeah. yeah you throw in the lithium crystals and like a bassard ram scoop and you you, you, you cover <laughs> the whole board uh and they also had the you know doc brown had that uh colander based mind boosting device that he wore yeah. when Mar- Mar- Marty first meets him in 1955. That's laying on Rick's desk at some point in this episode. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, okay. so another Back to the Future, you know, shows uh, showing his DNA. Uh, the final one, and this is something that maybe younger people didn't get, is that Jerry's uh, putting the menu up to his head and saying, countries known for their sexually aggressive men. There's an mm. old Johnny Carson skit. Where he oh. pretend to be a mind reader, the, the 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 great and powerful Karnak, and he would do that with uh, Ed McMahon. Well, I, I feel like ten years younger now because uh-huh. I didn't get it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I, I feel like the cutoff for getting Johnny Carson is like right at your age. Okay, like if you're much younger than late thirties, there's no fucking possible way. I was like eight or nine, about you know, like that was my. The thing that the only thing I wanted to do is stay up late with dad and watch Johnny Carson or Saturday Night Live. And like every Friday night and Saturday and, and occasional Saturday night, I'd get to do it. And, uh, and I don't even know why, because like so much of that humor just went over my head. But I don't know. Dad yeah. laughed and it was, it was it was fun. And, you know, he do funny voices and dress up and fun, as funny characters. And that's all you need is an eight year old doing. Sure. You don't need Rick. And, you don't need high concept sci fi rigmarole. You probably can't deal with it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, imagine. And uh, I'm sure there are six to eight year olds that watch Rick and Morty. Oh, but what the hell do they get from it? What do they make of King Jellybean? Yeah. I mean, I I let my ten year old watch it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> because, but mostly because I went to like school and I saw all the kids wearing Rick and Morty T-shirts. I'm like, well, hey, you don't have to defend it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I do. Okay. <laughs> Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. 
If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time.